your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 249 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. That music you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And one announcement that I want to make at the top of the show here is that I'm going to be riding solo today. We do not have uh, the former Ranger as a guest on today's episode, but he will be along in the next episode. I hadn't planned on doing an episode here today, Tuesday, but I wanted to after the announcement that the NHL and the NHLPA seem to be making strides toward making sure that the season begins in mid-January. We're going to talk about that in just a second. It's also been a quiet couple of months around the Rangers and really the NHL as a whole, just in terms of what's going on around the league, because this is just kind of one of the slower portions of the NHL calendar. It's after the draft, it's after free agency, but it's also before the start of next season. So what we're going to do today is take a look at every Ranger on the roster and just go through a best-case scenario, worst-case scenario, kind of hypothetical for every single player on the team. Uh, We're going to start today with the defensemen, and in a future episode, we'll move on to the forwards and also the goalies. Today, it's just going to be the six defensemen who I believe will suit up for the Rangers on opening night. Uh, But first, once again, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the encouraging news from this morning that the NHL and the NHLPA have agreed to keep the CBA's economic framework intact. This will allow the NHL to return to action in mid-January, and all this is according to a report from Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet. So, The NHL, we got some new information here. We got some old information that I'll just kind of reiterate here, just make sure everybody's up to speed on everything that's happening between the NHL and the NHLPA. The NHL currently now expecting to return to action uh, an opening night of sorts on January 13th, and there will be a 56-game schedule. So the 56-game schedule has not changed. Uh, That's the number that we heard the last time we talked about this on this show. Uh, Earlier in the offseason, I know that 48 was floated around as an idea, have a 48-game regular season schedule, but it looks like they're going to go with 56. I'm all for it. Uh, I would love to have an 82-game regular season, as I'm sure a lot of you would as well, but given the circumstances of everything going on in the world right now, probably makes more sense not to push your luck, not to do a full 82 games, and uh, just roll with a 56-game regular season schedule schedule. The thing I like about this, I mean, again, I I would love to have an 82-game regular season, but the thing that's kind of interesting about this to me, it is a shorter season, and that means there's just going to be that much more urgency among all these players and all these teams because you really can't afford to get off to that bad of a start because if you do, before you know it, a quarter of the season's gone, a third of the season's gone, and you're 8 or 10 or 12 points out of the playoffs, man, you really got to step on the gas at that point and do everything you can to put your best foot forward. So I think we're going to see a lot of energy, a lot of excitement from these teams night in and night out because you can't afford to lose too many games. You can't afford to side too far down the standings in the early goings of the season. So that's going to be interesting. There's just that much more riding on every single game when you're only going to play 56 games as opposed to 82. Uh, The other part of this is the fact that the season's going to start on January 13th. The last time we talked about this, the date that we heard floated out there was January 15th. So look at that, where we've moved it up two days if this plan goes off without a hitch, and we'll get hockey two days earlier than we initially thought we were going to. So that's good news there as well. you got to take the small victories where you can get them. 
Uh, the other news, and this is something that I had speculated on in our recent episode when we talked about this very subject, is preseason games. Are there going to be preseason games? How many is each team going to get? Are they going to just play teams within their division? How is it going to work? It's now being reported, again, this is all according to this report from Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, that there will not be any preseason games. Not not that it's set in stone that there won't be any, but it's unlikely that there will be any preseason games going into this next season, which to me is somewhat unfortunate. I think the Rangers, especially being a young team, you want to give them a chance to kind of get their legs underneath them, just get ready to roll going into the season. Of course, the teams will be able to practice. They'll be able to do some inter-squad scrimmages, but I don't think there's really ever any substitute to squaring off against an opponent, somebody who's not actually on your team. I mean, scrimmages are great, and it's a great way to get ready and promote competition within the team, but, I mean, you're not going to look to lay out your own teammate, I don't think, and, and you would do that to an opponent if you're out there playing the Islanders or the Flyers or somebody. So a little bit disappointing that there aren't going to be any preseason games, but also somewhat understandable, uh, you know, once again, given the circumstances in the world right now. I think even one or two preseason games could really make a difference. So I'd really like to see the Rangers get one or two preseason games. Let these guys get out there, the guys who are new to the team, let them get a couple shifts with their new teammates, whether it's Alexi Lafreniere, who we're all excited about, whether it's Jack Johnson, who we're maybe not that excited about, but you get the idea. Uh, anybody who's new to the Rangers, you want to see them get out there in the preseason, get a couple shifts with their new teammates, just kind of go through the motions of playing NHL hockey again. A lot of these guys haven't played since last March. The teams that were eliminated... Now, granted, the Rangers weren't one of those teams, but there are players in this league who have not played since last March, and you're just going to throw them out there into a regular season game 10 and a half months later. I'm not so sure that that's the best way to go. I think one or two preseason games could really benefit just about everybody. But sounds like, as of now, preseason games are not in the fold, and we'll just have to wait and see if there are any changes on that front. But there are still some questions to be answered, including how are the divisions going to work? Are we going to have an all-Canada division? Are we going to break the United States into three different sections? You could have the West, the Central, and the East. Uh, how is that going to play out? Only time is going to tell there. Again, there are still a few more questions than answers. I, I suppose at this point now, we do have a couple more answers that we've been looking for as far as when the season is going to start and how many games are going to be played. But they still got to figure out how it's going to work with you know, which teams are going to be in which divisions? Are teams going to play in bubble cities? Are there going to be fans allowed in the home arenas? If there are, how many fans? What percentage of the arenas will be allowed to be filled? A lot of questions still out there, but again, we will keep our eyes on all those things and update you guys if there are any updates to give. The other interesting bit of news to come out of this report is that the NHL and the NHLPA are reportedly discussing the possibility of extending the rosters to 26 players for this upcoming season. Uh, it just makes a lot of sense to me, given, again, the circumstances that we're living in. It would give teams some alternatives if there are some players who are out either due to injury or COVID. And it also just limits travel. If you've got 26 players who are all with the team, then you don't have to worry about constantly calling people up from the AHL, sending them down to the AHL. And that gets even more complicated if you've got a situation where the AHL team is in the United States and the NHL team is in Canada. And then you've got border uh, crossing to worry about as well, which can always be tricky given the state of the world right now. So yeah, I mean, I'm all for this. I think it makes a lot of sense. And uh, if this does come to fruition, if we get the official announcement that the NHL will indeed allow 
26 players per roster, then maybe we'll do an episode in the future where I kind of take a look at this whole scenario for the Rangers and try to figure out who the extra players might be, who are going to be uh, the six. There'll be six healthy scratches on any given night for the Rangers. We'll have the 20 uh, people who are suited up and then the six who will be watching from the press box. So again, that's something we can look forward to in the future. I'm going to wait there until the NHL makes this official, but I think it's a great idea. I think it only makes sense, again, given the circumstances of the world right now. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Go. Built Go will help you break through your wall. It is the healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake. It's lasting and natural. And I can tell you from experience, it's a fantastic product to use before playing baseball, tennis, or even frisbee golf. Built Go comes to us all from the same people who brought us the world's fastest growing protein bar, Built Bar. It will help you break through your wall. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it every day with Go. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages, put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power through the back nine, or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market, plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. It comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. How does Built Go work so well? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast, plus it's easy on the stomach. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, we're going to go ahead and get into, like I was talking about at the top of the show, the best case and the worst case scenarios for all six Ranger defensemen who I think will be dressed on opening night for the New York Rangers. And once again, just to clarify, I'm only going to be covering the six defensemen who I believe will be active for the Rangers, who will be dressed for the Rangers on opening night when the season starts, supposedly on January 13th. We'll see when the Rangers actually end up playing, but it sounds like the NHL now gearing for a January 13th start. But let's go ahead and dive right in here. We will start with Ryan Lindgren. And with Lindgren, I'm going to do it this way for every player on this list. We'll start with the worst case scenario, and then we'll end with the best case scenario, because I think it makes sense. You know, we're all Ranger fans. We want to, uh, you know, be glass half full and, and feel good about these players going into next season. We want to end on the good stuff, not so much the bad stuff. But I suppose with Lindgren, in a worst case scenario, he regresses a little bit and makes Brad Marchand write about something. Because if you guys remember... Those two built up a bit of a rivalry this past season. Some heated confrontations on the ice, some get-togethers. Marchand had some very choice words for Ryan Lindgren after a game between the Rangers and Bruins. And I'm not quoting him exactly here, but basically he, he said something along the lines of, oh, I'm not worried too much about Ryan Lindgren. I don't think he's going to be in the league for very long. Okay, first of all, Bradley... That's none of your business. I don't think players really need to be weighing in on the career prospects of other players and saying that, oh, he doesn't really have a future in this league. He's just going to fall out of the league. That just feels like a little bit of a low blow, feels a little bit out of place to me. Secondly, I mean, I would think that he's wrong because Ryan Lindgren played very well last season. I think he's somebody who does have a nice future in this league. And thirdly, whether Marchand, I, I realize I'm taking a little bit of a detour here, but I got I to gotta let Brad Marchand have it any chance I get. Thirdly, whether Brad Marchand realizes this or not, he's taking a shot at the front office of the Boston Bruins because the Bruins were the team that drafted Ryan Lindgren, and he wasn't somebody that they took in the sixth or seventh round just taking a flyer on somebody late in the draft. No, he was a second-round pick. So whether he realizes it or not, he's, by predicting that Ryan Lindgren is not going to have a future in this league, he's basically calling the Boston front office stupid. I mean, that's that's the most 
blunt way I can put it, but that's basically what he's doing here. I love that Tony D'Angelo came to Ryan Lindgren's defense on Twitter after Brad Marchand made these comments, really put him over as somebody who's going to be a big-time player in this league for a lot of years to come. But getting back to Lindgren in a worst-case scenario, yeah, I suppose it's at least possible that Lindgren sort of overperformed last season. If you remember going into last season, there wasn't a whole lot of buzz about Ryan Lindgren. Uh, there was some talk about him being behind guys like Liber Hayek, being behind guys like even Igor Rykov, but Lindgren started the season with the Wolfpack. He played pretty well down there. He got a call up to the Rangers, played with the Rangers for three games, went back down to the Wolfpack, then came back up to the Rangers. He only played a total of nine games with the Hartford Wolfpack last season. And other than that, he stuck with the Rangers and he found a home there and really kind of entrenched himself as a top four defenseman. Again, I suppose in a worst case scenario, this is just a flash in the pan. And maybe in time, there could be a scenario where some of these young defensemen that the Rangers are so high on, maybe they sort of leapfrog him in the pecking order. And maybe Ryan Lindgren at some point heads back down to the AHL. I don't see this happening, but for the purposes of this exercise, I do have to present a worst-case scenario as well as a best-case scenario. But we all know the Rangers have a lot of young defensemen that they're high on. Ke'Andre Miller, Igor Rykov, Liber Hayek, Nils Lundqvist, whenever he joins the Rangers. So again, I don't expect all these guys to just suddenly leapfrog Ryan Lindgren, especially not this upcoming season, but I guess it's at least possible that he could slide down the depth chart at some point. Now let's go into the fun stuff, the best case scenario for Ryan Lindgren next season. You know, we all talk about how the Rangers need more toughness. They need more strength. They need more snarl. They need more guys who are willing to mix it up, guys who are even willing to fight if the occasion calls for it. Lindgren gives you every single one of these things, and I think in a best-case scenario, he kind of becomes the poster child of Ranger grit, Ranger toughness, Ranger snarl. He becomes somebody in the vein of even a Jeff Bukaboom, and I realize that's setting a pretty high bar. Bukaboom, of course, part of the 1994 championship team, but I just love Ryan Lindgren's game. He's got that old-school feel to him, uh, somebody who is just not afraid to mix it up. He's going to go out there, throw his weight around, and just try to impose his will on his opponents. So you got to love that. You also got to love... When you see somebody who takes the bull by the horns and is very opportunistic, as Ryan Lindgren was last season, when he got a chance to play for the Rangers, he took advantage of the opportunity, basically never let go, and at this point, I got to believe he's here to stay. I also absolutely love the dynamic between him and Adam Fox. They're both just 22 years old. They're both coming off of their rookie seasons, and I just think they complement each other very well. You know, Adam Fox, he's this two-way dynamic defenseman that... A lot of teams around the NHL crave. There's only so many defensemen who can get it done on both sides of the ice the way that Adam Fox can. And, you know, he's complimented by an old-school throwback kind of player in Ryan Lindgren, and I just think it works. I just think they click together, and I've talked about this before. You can keep the two of them together for the next 10 years on this team. I'll be very, very happy with that. Another aspect, if we're going total best-case scenario for Ryan Lindgren, I think he could step it up a little bit offensively. I don't think this is somebody who is just kind of a goon out there and he doesn't know what to do when he has the puck. I mean, look, he's not going to be Brian Leach. I don't expect him to morph into Brian Leach next season or really any season, but I saw him make a couple of nice passes, and he did have 14 assists last season in 60 games. So it's not like he's completely clueless when he's got the puck in his hands, and I think that assist total could increase as the years go by. So I think he has a little bit more to offer in that department as well. We'll see what happens. You know, the purpose of this exercise is to objectively take a look at the best and worst case scenarios for every player on the Rangers. I realize I just compared him to Jeff Bukaboom, but again, we're going full-on best case scenario, full-on worst case scenario. And as you guys can probably tell, I'm very bullish on Ryan Lindgren. I'm very excited that the Rangers have just a, a smash mouth, hard-nosed defenseman such as Ryan Lindgren. And I think he's someone, again, we presented both extremes here, but I think he's somebody that's going to end up a lot closer to the best case scenario rather than the worst case scenario, both in the short term and in the long term with the Rangers. 
All right, we talked about Adam Fox a little bit there, so I figure we might as well go to him next. As far as a worst-case scenario for Adam Fox, I'm really struggling here. Help me out, guys. What could go wrong with Adam Fox? I don't want to jinx anything. I mean, believe me, I don't want to jinx anything. And I suppose that maybe you could argue that, you know, we Ranger fans, and I include myself in this, maybe we're getting a little too far ahead of ourselves with Adam Fox. He is just 70 games into his NHL career, and, you know, we all think he's going to be a top-five defenseman in this league. Uh, we may very well be right about that, but is it possible that Fox at some point plateaus a little bit? Maybe he gets to a point where you know he's a very, very good defenseman in this league, just not quite an elite defenseman. It's at least possible, but I don't see a reason to expect that when you look at everything he did as a rookie this past season. Eight goals and 34 assists, 13 points on the power play. He was a plus 22. He contributed on both sides of the rink, as we said. You know, going into last season, I think the concern with Adam Fox was that he might not be all the way there as far as the defensive aspects of his game, but he was very good defensively. Not the most physical defenseman in the league, but a guy who had good positioning and just played well. I mean, I never felt like he was a defensive liability out there. Did anybody else feel that way? I certainly did not. So again, I think the worst case scenario here for Adam Fox is that maybe he doesn't reach that truly, truly elite level that we all think he's going to get to. Maybe he just goes on to become a very good defenseman in this league for the New York Rangers. But I don't have a whole lot to say as far as worst case scenario with Adam Fox. Best case scenario. So I'm going to try not to spend the rest of the episode on this, but I make no promises. I suppose his ceiling is becoming the next Brian Leach. And I don't say that lightly. The Rangers have been looking for the next Brian Leach for about 20 years now. Can Adam Fox be that good? Only time is going to tell. It would be impossible for us to know for sure after just one season. But watching Fox last year, I do think that kind of upside at least exists. I don't know that he'll ever get to the Brian Leach level, but is it possible? Oh, yeah, it's definitely possible if you watch what Adam Fox did last season. But like I said, you know, the Rangers, they've been looking for the next Brian Leach forever. Uh, it never seems to happen. They dive into free agency. They bring in guys who were supposedly the stout two-way defensemen, whether it's Tom Pody or Wade Redden or Kevin Shattenkirk, whoever it might be, it just never really seems to work out. Now, Fox obviously was not a free agent pickup, but the Rangers did trade for him. He's not a homegrown player. Fox was originally drafted by the Calgary Flames, traded to the Hurricanes, and then the Rangers acquire him from the Hurricanes in exchange for two second-round picks, but those look to be picks well spent. Uh, again, Fox was outstanding on both ends of the rink this past season, and as far as his offensive production is concerned, eight goals and 34 assists, so 42 points in just 70 games. I think that number increases because why wouldn't it? He did all this as a rookie, and it seems very unlikely that he's going to peak at the age of just 21, which is how old he was for most of last season, and the fact that he's out there with Panarin and Zibanejad, and Kreider, that doesn't hurt. And then you've also got guys like Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere who are probably on their way to being great New York Rangers as well. So you're Adam Fox, and you've got all these guys you can pass to. I, I think the sky is the limit as far as what he can do offensively as well. I also think he was snubbed in not being a Rookie of the Year finalist. I mean, we could talk about that all day. I think Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes, I would put them both ahead of Adam Fox, but I'm not so sure I would have had Dominique Kubalik in there instead of Adam Fox. Just my very humble opinion there. But I also think, in a best-case scenario, Fox also develops a little bit more of an edge, a little bit more of, an, of a mean streak that a lot of us so desperately covet out of players on the Rangers. Like I said, he wasn't the most physical defenseman last year, just 35 hits in 70 games. That's obviously not a lot, but it was his first season. He's still going to get bigger, still going to get stronger, could get more comfortable in the NHL. Uh, maybe Ryan Lindgren rubs off on him a little bit. We know he plays with a certain nastiness to his game, so maybe that rubs off on Fox a little bit. But man, the sky really is the limit for Adam Fox. Uh, you can probably tell I'm very excited about the fact that the Rangers have him and where his career might go uh, in the seasons to come here.
Let's also move on to Brendan Smith. Not too long ago, I actually did an episode where I listed some of the reasons why I think it's actually a good thing that Brendan Smith is still on the Rangers. I'm not saying that you know he's going to play at an all-star level or that he's not overpaid or that there aren't better defensemen in this league than Brendan Smith. Um, and certainly, there are some downsides to still having him around. I mean, first of all, like we said, he's overpaid. And it's entirely possible in a worst-case scenario that Brennan Smith indeed uh, basically solidifies himself as the most overpaid player on the Rangers because he currently has a salary. He's in the final year of a four-year deal. It's going to pay him $4.35 million. And in a worst-case scenario, he's just kind of shot. It's just that simple. Uh, he's done being a useful player in the NHL. Uh, but then you say that, and you realize he's still just 31 years old. He'll turn 32 during the season. But NHL players aren't doomed to fall off a cliff when they're in their early 30s. So it's just strange uh, how it's really gone so south for Brennan Smith. And if you want to make this worst-case scenario even worse, the worst of all worst-case scenarios, uh, maybe his play tapers off to the point that he's not even in the lineup in certain nights. Maybe he's a healthy scratch, and he's losing playing time to some of these Ranger young defensemen that we've talked about, like Ke'Andre Miller, Liber Hayek, Igor Rykov, maybe even an Anthony Boteto, and is not so young. The Rangers brought him in as a free agent, and they don't have any massive long-term plans for Anthony Boteto, but is it possible that he jumps Brennan Smith in the pecking order? I'd say it's at least possible. Uh, I suppose in another worst-case scenario, uh, he shows up for training camp not in the best of shape, this happened once before after he signed his long-term extension with the Rangers. But hopefully, uh, Brandon Smith learned from that mistake and also understands there's a lot of young defensemen who are gunning for his spot. And if he comes in and he gets off to a slow start, that's not going to be good news for Smith. And overall, you know, I stand by what I said in the other episode. I still think it's a good thing that Brandon Smith is still here on the Rangers. I still think he can be a useful player for this team. But I will admit, with Brandon Smith... The way his game has kind of uh, gone in recent seasons, his current career trajectory, there is a very low floor here. I mean, he could be a real liability uh, for this blue line group and the Rangers as a whole in a worst-case scenario. As far as a best-case scenario, now, we saw when he was paired with Jacob Truba at the very end of the regular season and into the playoff series against the Hurricanes, those two kind of clicked. You know, they both play this brand of tough physical hockey. Hopefully, Brennan Smith can continue to bring that to the table next season. Hopefully, him and Jacob Truba, they show it wasn't just a flash in the pan. And as we mentioned in the episode about Smith, uh, he is now the fourth longest tenured Ranger after just Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, and Pavel Buchnevich. That's very hard to believe, but it's also very true. It's also hard to believe that Pavel Buchnevich is now the third longest tenured player on the New York Rangers, but it's all true. And the reason I bring this up is that in a best-case scenario for Brennan Smith, he provides his team with some veteran leadership because he is one of the older players, just 31. It's not like he's ancient. He'll turn 32 at the early part of the season. But again, one of the longest-tenured Rangers, one of the older players on the team. So hopefully uh, he can step up in something of a leadership role this season coming up. And again, in a best-case scenario for Brennan Smith, he's motivated. And you would have to think that he's going to be motivated because he's in the last year of his contract. Uh, like we said, he's only going to be 32 at the end of this upcoming season. So you would think he's going to be plenty motivated to have a good season, to show he can still play in this league, to show he's worthy of a multi-year deal going into next season. Probably not from the Rangers, but from someone else in the NHL. And the other thing, in a best-case scenario, he continues to provide some versatility to this lineup because, you know, last year we saw him kind of move back and forth between the fourth line as a forward and, uh, you know, the blue line as a defenseman. And it's at least possible coming into this next season, maybe there's a situation where somebody on the Ranger fourth line is underperforming, or maybe there are some defensemen 
prospects that are knocking on the door for the Rangers and they're about to get in the lineup, to have that little bit of flexibility that Brandon Smith gives you, the fact that he can play defenseman or move up to forward, that's nice as well. So hopefully he gives the Rangers, he continues to give the Rangers a little bit of flexibility from a lineup perspective going into the final year of his contract here. All right, let's move on to Jacob Truba. In a worst-case scenario, I suppose the absolute worst-case scenario for Jacob Truba is that this just does not work out. And I'm not ready to hit the panic button with Jacob Truba just yet. I know some people were a little bit down on Jacob Truba last year, a little bit underwhelmed by his first season with the New York Rangers. Uh, His points were down significantly from the season before. He only ended up with 27 points last season after putting up 50 the season before. Now, granted, he had a few less games due to the pandemic. In fact, 12 fewer games. But be that as it may, just didn't find the offensive mojo that he had in Winnipeg for whatever reason. And I think part of this might be just the fact that he was getting used to a new system, new teammates, new coaches, pretty much everything. But we also know, you know, watching the Rangers over the years, watching any New York sports team, there are some players who just don't get comfortable in New York. And again, I can't stress enough that we are clearly not there yet with Jacob Truba. I'm not going to write him off after one slightly underwhelming season with the New York Rangers. But we have seen this with the Rangers and other teams in New York. And since we're doing a best-case, worst-case scenario exercise here, I got to at least float it out as a possibility. I don't think it'll happen. I still think Jacob Trouba is going to have a nice career with the Rangers, but I got to at least put it out there as a little bit of a possibility that he might be one of those players that just doesn't uh, click with New York for whatever reason. And again, I don't think it'll happen, but got to toss it out there as a possibility. And as far as worst-case scenario, you know, I don't think we're going to get to the point where Jacob Trouba turns out to be just this awful player for the Rangers and you know, the contract is a total albatross and the Rangers just can't get anything out of him. And, you know, maybe we get another buyout. I don't think that's going to happen. But is it possible that Truba ends up being one of the more overpaid players on the Rangers after signing a seven-year, $56 million contract? Yeah, I'll at least concede that it's possible. And I have mostly defended Jacob Truba on this show, as many longtime listeners uh, can probably attest. But if you want to tell me that Jacob Truba did not play like an $8 million a year defenseman last season, you're not going to get any argument from me. I'm not sure exactly what his value was last year as far as putting a dollar amount on it, but whatever it was, it wasn't $8 million. Let's jump into the best case scenario for Jacob Truba. Uh, He's going to give you the physicality and the toughness and the snarl that we all want. I think that's something we can all take to the bank, even if he does not produce at, you know, a clip of 50 points per season, which I think he still could do. But even if he doesn't, he's going to hold up his end of the bargain when it comes to defense and when it comes to physicality. And let's not discount some of the good things that Jacob Truba did last season. He was a hard-nosed player for this team. So take nothing away from him on that front. He had a career-high 173 hits in 70 games. He was 24th in the league, and he led the Rangers in that statistic. He also came up with 128 block shots. He led the Rangers there as well and was tied for 14th in the league in that stat. This doesn't sound like someone who isn't making any kind of a positive impact whatsoever. And, you know, if you look at the series against the Carolina Hurricanes, I talked about how Truba and Smith played very well as a unit in that series, brief though it may have been. Jacob Truba, in three playoff games against the Canes, dished out 14 hits. I mean, that's a lot. He was throwing his weight around. He was looking to make an impact, and it looked like he had gotten to be comfortable playing for the New York Rangers. And I'm not making any excuses for him, but Jacob Truba, let's 
be fair here, he had a complete revolving door as far as his defense partner for a good chunk of last season. You know, with Adam Fox and Ryan Lingren, they basically got to settle in and play just about the entire season together. And even with Tony D'Angelo and Mark Stahl, I think they spent a good chunk of last season together as well. With Jacob Truba, it was always somebody different. At the start of the season, it was Brady Shea. He ends up getting traded. For a while, it was Liber Hayek. Hayek gets injured and demoted to the AHL. Even Ryan Lindgren got a brief spell with Jacob Truba, but then Brennan Smith, uh, it just kind of clicked. It just kind of seemed to work toward the end of last season. So I would keep the two of them together just because they seem to play pretty well together. And that also leads me to my next point. I think in a best case scenario, Jacob Truba also gets the best out of Brennan Smith. And I realize Smith is not the most dynamic player. Maybe we've got people who would rather see Jacob Truba out there with somebody like Ke'Andre Miller or, you know, Tony D'Angelo if D'Angelo moves to the left side or, you know, a Liber Hayek, somebody who's got a little bit more long-term upside than Brandon Smith. But I would go so far as to say that Smith and Truba both played their best hockey of the season when they were out there together. So I'm not all that anxious to break the two of them up, at least start them together at the beginning of next season. And again, I know Jacob Truba's points were down. We've talked about that. Uh, But let's also keep in mind, first season with the Rangers, new surroundings, new coaches, new teammates. Sometimes it takes a little while to get used to a new system, build that chemistry with your teammates. So I'm definitely willing to bet on Jacob Truba to give him more than one slightly underwhelming season before I write him off as a total bust. Rangers are going to need him. I mean, there's a lot riding on Jacob Truba this season because the blue line, it's crowded for the Rangers, but it's not exactly a proven unit. And in fact, you could argue that there isn't a single proven defenseman on the Rangers. I mean, Fox and Lindgren, they were great last year, but they were both rookies. So who's to say for sure? I mean, I like both guys, but you can't put them into the Hall of Fame just yet. Uh, Tony D'Angelo, he could stand to improve defensively. Brandon Smith seems to be on the back nine of his career. Ditto for Jack Johnson, who we're going to talk about in just a second here. But yeah, I mean, Jacob Truba, man, he's supposed to be the rock. He's supposed to be the proven commodity back there. And uh, I think in due time, he will win himself over among Ranger fans, and he will go on to have a really nice career with the New York Rangers. We will see, but I think year two, uh, you know, again, being used to his new surroundings, his new coaches, his new teammates, I really think that's going to go a long way for Jacob Truba, especially here in a best-case scenario. Let's go to Tony D'Angelo, and I think with D'Angelo, the biggest concern has always been his defense, which sounds a little strange considering that he is a defenseman, but the biggest thing Tony D'Angelo brings to the table are those offensive fireworks. Of course, he was fourth in the NHL in points by a defenseman last season. So you do want to see his defense get better. I suppose in a worst-case scenario, it does not. But he also just got a massive pay raise, and he went from making uh, just six figures last year to making a total of $9.6 million over the next two years. And I don't think this will happen with Tony D'Angelo. I want to make that very clear. But again, we're doing worst-case scenarios here. Is it at least possible D'Angelo isn't quite as hungry next season, gets a little bit complacent? Again, I don't think that'll happen, but I have to at least throw it out there as a very remote possibility. I don't see that happening with Tony D'Angelo. He's a fiery, emotional player. You can certainly appreciate that. It definitely beats the alternative uh, when you've got a player who's just not engaged, just kind of goes through the motions out there. So I 100% do not think that Tony D'Angelo is going to take his foot off the gas and relax just because he got a significant pay raise. It's not something that I think you have to worry about so much if you're a Ranger fan. The more pressing issue is his defense, like we talked about, and that goes double if the Rangers end up switching him from the right side over to the left side. Now, it's great that Tony D'Angelo is willing to do that, but you've got someone who occasionally struggles in the defensive aspects of the game, and now you're changing his position. I would imagine that would make it a little more challenging. Certainly would not make it any easier for Tony D'Angelo. So if there's any slight red flag for Tony D'Angelo, I believe it is his overall defensive game. 
By that same token, I'm thrilled that he's still in the fold for the New York Rangers. And certainly, I can't be the only person, the only Ranger fan that's noticed that Tony D'Angelo has gotten better and better and better every single season since he's been in the NHL. You know, the Rangers, they really took a gamble when they traded for him because they traded a couple of proven commodities in Derek Stepan and Antti Ranta to the Coyotes in exchange for D'Angelo and a first-round pick. Rangers use that first-round pick on Leas Anderson. I'm going to pass on talking about Leas Anderson at all. But D'Angelo was a very raw talent when the Rangers first picked him up. They took a chance that he could put the pieces together over time, and he rewarded the Rangers this past season by scoring 15 goals, dishing out 38 assists for a total of 53 points, even in a pandemic-shortened season. The season prior, he scored four goals and had 26 assists, so he was definitely beginning to show flashes. And as things stand right now, D'Angelo is still just 25 years old, He's still got some upside. His best days of hockey could still be in front of him, and it's great that he's still here with the Rangers. And I think in a best-case scenario, he steps it up defensively. He takes his offensive game to the next level. He just becomes the complete package, just a fantastic defenseman in this league. And then the Rangers in two years are really going to have a difficult decision to make. If they have a difficult decision to make, then that's a good thing. That obviously indicates that D'Angelo has continued to just get better and better and better. He's also become a very vital piece of the power play. He had 19 points on the man advantage last year, and the Rangers as a team ranked seventh in power play efficiency, scoring on 20.3% of their opportunities. So obviously Tony D'Angelo had a big hand in that. And as he continues to get to play with guys like Mika Zibanejad and gets a second season with Artemi Panarin and gets to be out there on the power play with Alexi Lafreniere and a version of Capo Caco that will in all likelihood be improved from last season. Man, the sky's the limit for Tony D'Angelo. I mean, he can be dishing out assists left and right on the power play, at even strength, whatever it might be. Uh, I think Tony D'Angelo, if you follow his career trajectory, you got to feel good about it because he just continues to improve in all facets of the game. And in a best case scenario, he continues to do that and, uh, you know, maybe sticks with the Rangers long term. Again, the Rangers are going to have a very difficult decision to make on Tony D'Angelo uh, when he hits free agency two years from now. And then finally, that brings us to Jack Johnson, and oh boy. Uh, okay, so let me start by saying that I do not hate this move as much as a lot of other Ranger fans seem to. The Rangers needed a veteran defenseman to come in and basically just keep the seat warm for one of their defenseman prospects. I think Jack Johnson kind of fits that need, although when you look at the metrics from last season, you talk to any Penguins fan you can find, he was just flat out bad for the Penguins these past couple of seasons. Now, he's going to be 34 this season, I don't know how likely it is that he's suddenly going to turn everything around and become the player that he was in Columbus a few seasons ago. I just don't know how likely that is. So in a worst-case scenario, very similar to Brennan Smith, but this applies even more to Jack Johnson. Uh, the floor is very, very low here. It's entirely possible that Jack Johnson is a tremendous, tremendous liability for the New York Rangers next season. Now, I don't watch every single Pittsburgh Penguin game. Why would I? But I did catch a lot of the Penguins' first-round series against the Montreal Canadiens in the playoffs last year. Jack Johnson was a liability for that team. We also did a crossover episode with Mr. Hunter Hodes from Locked on Penguins. He does a great job with his show. But he basically mentioned that, yeah, the, the guy was just awful. And I, I hate to be that blunt about it, but if you look at what Jack Johnson has done in recent seasons, there's not really a lot of reasons for optimism here that he's suddenly going to go back to being even an average defenseman in this league. But you keep your fingers crossed that you know, against all logic, that's exactly what happens. So with that said, let's move into the best case scenario. I think with Johnson, the bar has been set so incredibly low and expectations among Ranger fans are so small that Johnson has a decent chance of working out better than I think a lot of us think that he's going to. 
Maybe it's a situation where Johnson needed a change of scenery. We hear about that around the NHL, around all sports, really. A certain player just needs a change of scenery, and the Penguins bought him out, so maybe he's mad. Maybe he's got something to prove. Maybe something just did not click for him in Pittsburgh, and maybe he's ready to stick it to a division rival anytime the Rangers play the Penguins. We will see there. And another similarity with Brendan Smith is a veteran defenseman playing in the final year of his contract. You got to figure that he wants to keep playing hockey after this year and that he's going to be motivated to do so, and he's going to need to play a lot better this season if he wants to get a decent contract after the season is over. Hell, he needs to play a lot better to make sure he gets a contract offer of any kind after this season, based on what he's done these past two seasons with Pittsburgh. And I think, in a best-case scenario, Jack Johnson actually ends up get, getting traded at the trade deadline because, you know, the Rangers, like we've been talking about, they got a lot of young defensemen who are knocking on the door looking to kind of clean their spot in the Rangers. Maybe Jack Johnson overperforms and the Rangers can get... You know, they're not going to get like a first or second round draft pick, so forget about that. But I mean, maybe you can get like a fourth round draft pick, a fifth round draft pick for Jack Johnson. It's at least possible if he plays well enough and the Rangers can send him on his way at the trade deadline and uh, open up the door for one of the young defensemen and also acquire a draft pick. I think that's a best case scenario for Jack Johnson because similar to Brandon Smith, I don't think there's any way possible Jack Johnson is still on this team after the completion of this upcoming season uh, for the Rangers. But that will do it for today, guys. Definitely do not miss our next episode. We're going to have a former New York Ranger on the show for our 250th episode, so definitely tune in for that. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.